Welcome. You're listening to Strength for the Hour, the radio outreach of Fruit of the Vine Ministries in Louisville, Ohio. We're passionate about strengthening you with deep truths from the Word of God and bringing hope to the world through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, My words are spirit and they are life. So may you experience new life from this message today by John Davison. Well, shalom and God bless you. Welcome to Fruit of the Vine Ministries. My name is is John Davison. Listen, we are in our study in the book of Ephesians. We are breaking down line by line, precept by precept, the Apostle Paul going into Ephesus and the spiritual warfare that he encounters as he's trying to establish this new church, the mindset, the the culture that these people were living in in Ephesus. And in order for us to do that, we have to go back to where Paul first goes into Ephesus before we go into the book of Ephesians and before we discuss the book of Revelation where the Ephesian church is the first church of the seven churches that Jesus actually speaks through through John the Revelator. But in Acts chapter 19 is where we're covering right now. And in Acts chapter 19, Paul first goes into Ephesus. Now, if you haven't kept up with the study thus far, you can go back and listen to the broadcast again. Um, and, and start way back in the beginning to get the foundation of, of where we've started out. But up to this point, we've discussed Paul going into Ephesus. We've discussed, uh, we've discussed the idol and the idolatry and the witchcraft that was taking place. And we want to help you to understand a supernatural mindset. In other words, this entire study is completely engulfed in helping you understand your supernatural position if you're born again in Jesus Christ and how to operate in the spiritual realm, how to operate not based off of your feelings or your thoughts or your emotions, not based off of what you can see, but but based off of the supernatural reality of Jesus Christ being seated in the heavenly realms, the Holy Spirit that is now living inside of you now that you're born again and operating from the mindset of the mind of Christ in supernatural things signs and wonders and miracles, hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, listening and submitting, being able to discern the thoughts and the intents of of men's hearts. And even as Jesus, Yeshua himself, he could see, he understood what people were thinking before the words even came out of their mouth because he submitted to the Holy Spirit and he listened to what his father said. And we as well, being born again, are now children of our father in heaven. So now that we're children, Father can clearly speak to us just like he spoke to us in the cool of the garden. But we need to lay some things down. We need to let go of some things from our past life now that we're born again so that we can completely embrace the new creation, walk as the new creation, and see the supernatural manifest in our lives around us. This takes completely through faith, and grace is what empowers it to become a reality. Now we're saved by grace through faith, which means that grace, God's supernatural ability for these things to become a reality in our life, comes through faith. If we're saved by grace through faith, then that means grace comes through faith. So we want a greater revelation of faith. The only way to have a greater revelation of faith is to understand the truths of God's word, because then we can have faith in what God says is and he says isn't. When we align ourselves with what the Father says and we say, yes, God, what you say is true, let you be true and every man a liar. When we line our hearts with God and his authority, that is faith. Remember the centurion who who said, Jesus, you just say the word 
and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Why? Because he recognized the authority of God and he said, whatever you say, I'm just going to believe it. So we want to hear the word of God and we want to be active and we want to we want to believe it. And I want to encourage you to walk in faith so that you can see the things manifest in your life, just like the early church did. It's our inheritance in the saints. We'll cover that when we get into the book of Ephesians. I'm just so excited. I kind of get ahead of myself sometimes. And that's okay because I'm so excited about the word of God. And scripture says, listen, it's not grievous for me to keep writing and saying the same things over to you. In fact, it's good that I remind you of these things. And so we find ourselves in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. There's been a riot that's taken place. The people who sell the idols and the people who were worshiping uh, Artemis of the Ephesians, they get really upset because now their their finances are now at stake. As Paul's preaching this gospel of the kingdom, he's teaching on the kingdom of God. And so now people are starting... People are starting to leave the idol of Artemis. They're no longer buying these things, these idols, and worshiping them. They're submitting their lives to Christ. And these people, these merchants in Ephesus, are getting extremely upset. A riot takes place. And so all of a sudden you see all of these people in the temple, which, by the way, still stands in Ephesus in in modern-day Turkey, in the theater And they're having a meeting, and the city clerk is where we left off. The city clerk is trying to quiet people, and he makes an interesting statement here. And we're going to break this down, because Scripture touches on what he's meaning here. So Acts chapter 19, verse 35. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis? And of the image which fell from heaven. Seeing then that these things are undeniable, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither temple robbers nor blasphemers of your goddess. Let's just stop there for a moment. He makes a statement here, which is really interesting to me. He says that, that they are the guardian. Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, whose image fell from heaven. So here you have it. They're worshiping an image which fell from heaven. Now, Scripture tells us many different places about angels falling from heaven. Listen to what Paul says. Let's let's just break this down a little bit. First off, let's talk about the worshiping of angels. Listen to what listen to what Colossians here says. In verse two, in chapter 2 and verse 18, he says, Paul is writing to the Colossian church. He says, do not let anyone cheat you of your reward by delighting in false humility and the worship of angels, dwelling on those things which he has not seen, vainly arrogant to his unspiritual mind and not supporting the head, from which the entire body, nourished and knitted together by joints and sinews, grows as God gives reincre- Look at what he says here. Do not let anyone cheat you of your reward by delighting in false humility and the worshiping of angels. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, you can be robbed because because people who worship the demonic, people who worship the fallen angels, people who have crept in among you, as Jude says, secretly men have crept in among you, is what Jude says. 
And these men are fault finders. They don't even have the Holy Spirit denying even the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and using it as a, as a license to practice immorality. And he says, even the angels, Jude says, the angels did not stay to their own domain, but came to earth and had relations with women. Whoa, wait a minute. So you're telling me that when God cast the angels out of heaven, they came to earth. Listen to this. Revelation, Revelation says, says many different things about angels falling down from heaven. Jesus even does. We're going to discuss what Jesus says as well. So Revelation chapter 12 tells us this. First it gives us a vision and then it gives us the interpretation of the vision. So Revelation chapter 12 Verse 3 through 9, Then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven. Now, I want you to, I want you to pay attention to the verbiage. A third of the stars of heaven. The stars represent something. The stars in heaven have a significance. We're going to understand what that is in a moment. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. The dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as he was born. Now listen now. She gave birth to a male child who is the ruler of the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where she had placed by prepared by God that they may be nourished here. For for 260 days, then war broke out in heaven. So there's a war taking place in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was there a place for them in the heavens any longer. The great dragon was cast out. The ancient serpent called the devil and Satan who deceives the world. He was cast down to earth and his angels were cast down with him. Listen to Revelation chapter 1 and what Jesus has to say to John about stars. Revelation chapter 1, Jesus is talking to John in verse 18. He says, I am he who lives, though I was dead. Look, I am alive forever. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. He has the authority back in his hand. Write the things down which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands, the candlesticks, the menorah. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which you saw are the seven churches. What's he saying? He's actually making a very big connection here and he's saying, listen, stars represent angels. He's making a very big point here. And we see that in Revelation chapter 12, that when, when, when Satan rebelled in the kingdom of, uh, excuse me, in heaven, when Satan rebelled, it says that he and a third of the angels from heaven were cast down with him and they were called the stars. So listen, anytime scripture talks about the stars, it's talking about angels. Jesus affirms this. The book of Revelation affirms this. But it also affirms it in Ezekiel chapter 28 and also in Isaiah 14. Listen to what Ezekiel 28 says. 
Moreover, this is Ezekiel 28, 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lament over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God. So we're talking about the king of Tyre here, but it's a parallel. He's talking about a parallel of the king of Tyre's attitude with somebody else. Listen to what he says here. You had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Now hold on a second. The king of Tyre was not in Eden, but Satan was. Listen to what he says. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and the gold. The workship of your settings and the sockets was in you. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub that covers, and I set you there. You were upon the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in all your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. By the multitude of the merchandise, you were filled with violence in your midst, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as profane out of the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub. This is talking about Satan was once beautiful. He was once with God in in the heavenly realms, and he was cast out because he sinned. He, He rebelled against God. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus had to go into the temple, which is in heaven, and cleanse it with his blood. Why did Jesus have to go into heaven and cleanse heaven with his blood? Unless there was sin that needed to be covered and needed to be removed in heaven because Satan sinned. When Satan sinned, he cast the angels down to heaven. And in books, in, in books, Acts 19, uh, it says that, that they were worshiping an image which fell from heaven. And Paul tells us not to worship angels. In fact, he tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 20, he says that the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons and not to God. What's he saying? That there are spiritual forces in heavenly realms. There are wicked wickedness happening on earth. There are fallen angels which have come to earth that work under the enemy and they've been cast out of heaven and people are worshiping them and we are in a real spiritual warfare. Paul is setting a groundwork in Ephesus to help you understand that they understood the worship of angels in Ephesus. They understood the demonic realm in Ephesus. They understood that this temple, which was one of the seven wonders of the world, was influencing the culture and the people around them to worship demons. And in that, they probably did see all kinds of weird and crazy and strange signs and wonders and miracles, but they were demonic. In fact, Scripture tells us that the Antichrist is going to come with false lying signs and wonders and miracles trying to deceive people. How is he doing that? Because he is demonically influenced and we are in a spiritual warfare. Listen to Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14 and verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down from the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will be Greater than God, I will ascend into heaven. In other words, God, it doesn't matter what you say, I'm going to be greater than you are. He had pride, he had arrogance. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into the heaven and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Listen to that language again. Here we have the stars of God. What is Satan saying? Satan's saying, listen, I am going to exalt myself above even the angels. I'm going to be greater than God. 
I will sit among the mount of the congregation in the recesses of the north. In other words, the high hills, the high places were always considered the places where the gods lived. So this language of the high hills, in other words, Mount Zion or the mountain of God, and and he keeps using this language. In other words, ancients in their supernatural thinking, the ancients believed that the gods lived on high mountains. That's why if you go to China or some of these places or some of these uh, uh, different Buddhist places, they always have these, 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 uh, basically these areas, these, these, these buildings built up, these monasteries built up on these high mountains. Why do they do that? Because they believe that it gets them closer to the gods. And so Satan is saying he will exalt himself above all of the mountains. He will exalt himself above all of the angels, all of the stars of God. He says this, and I will sit among the mount of the congregation, the congregation of the heavenly hosts, the angels, in the recesses of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. He says this, and I will be like the most high. God says, yet you shall be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Those who see you shall stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble and shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? Who did not open his house of this prisoner? Listen to this. Listen to this now. Demons are territorial. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 8 through 9, God dispersed the territories of the earth. God is talking about how these, these angels, how they've been given dominion over different areas by, by man falling in the garden. We, discuss, we discussed that in a previous broadcast. We, we need to understand Adam and Eve's fall. When Adam and Eve fell, they gave over the authority to the serpent because they submitted to the serpent. So now the serpent comes to Jesus. The devil comes to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, and he says, I will give you all of this, the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, if you will just bow down, Jesus, and worship me, for they've been given to me, and I can give them to whoever I want. In other words, Satan's been given authority on earth. He has authority to do certain things, and he's trying to get Jesus to worship him. But Jesus, listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 10. I'm, man, I'm, I'm just really, i got to tell you guys, I am so... I am so excited. I am so amazed by Jesus and I'm so overwhelmed with Jesus's power. He resists the devil. The devil flees from him. Jesus goes to the cross, death, burial, resurrection, gives us the Holy Spirit back, gives us authority back. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 10. He's talking to the disciples, which means he's talking to you because he told the disciples to make disciples and teach them every, teaching them to obey and do everything I commanded you to do. So this is for you to grab a hold of so you understand the supernatural warfare that we're in as we go into the book of Ephesians here in our next broadcast. But Luke chapter 10 and verse 17, listen to this. The 70 returned with joy. Jesus sent them out to cleanse out the lepers and cast out the demons. The 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject. They submit to your name. And he said to them, you know why they submit to my name? I'll tell you why they submit to my name. Because I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So because I saw him fall, because I know he's a defeated foe, because I live from a perspective, disciples, because I live from a position of faith, absolutely assured that the devil, that the devil is defeated. He says this, 
So look, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. Listen, guys, we have an inheritance. Our inheritance is overcomers. Listen, I know the devil is real. I know the fallen angels are real. I know that the fallen angels are still walking around on the earth. They're still causing havoc. Otherwise, we, we, we wouldn't be casting out demons like we still are. But the point of the fact here is, is that we do have authority. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection put us in a position, seated us in the heavenly realms, as the book of Ephesians says, over every dominion, over every power, over every authority, over every single thing that have set itself up on the earth against God, against the knowledge of God in Christ, we are overcomers and nothing, nothing, nothing has the right, nothing has the right to take away our authority unless we submit to something other than God. Hear me now. Do not let, what, did we, what was the verse we started out in Colossians? Listen to what he says. Do not let anyone cheat you of your reward by delighting in false humility and the worship of angels. What does it say later on? It says that the, our enemy prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It also says that he appears, get this now, he appears as an angel of light to deceive many. The thief comes not but to kill, to steal, and destroy. So if he hasn't killed you yet, God says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, which means if you're not walking in revelation knowledge, you can be destroyed. You can be defeated. You can walk in defeat. But he tries to steal your joy. He tries to, he tries to put thoughts in your head. We covered that in the previous podcast. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You are called to be an overcomer in this world. Jesus says, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. We have to be overcomers. That's why Paul said, I run the race. I've kept the faith. And therefore, there is a crown of righteousness laid up for me. He's saying, listen, there's crowns. There's things that are ahead of us. We are running towards a goal. And we cannot allow anything, anything, anything to get in our way and rob us of who we are in Christ when Jesus paid such a high price to give it to us. Listen to what this says in Colossians again, chapter 2 and verse 8. Beware lest anyone should take you captive through vain philosophy and deceit in the tradition of this world and of the men of this world and of the elementary principles of this world and not after Christ. How do you get robbed? You get robbed by looking at the world around you, seeing the patterns of the world around you and saying that must be what it's like. In other words, just because... Just because something has been an experience of somebody else's doesn't mean it has to be your experience. Just because somebody else has had an experience and this person's had an experience and you have these people coming together and, oh, we've all been through the same thing and it must be the will of God, that doesn't mean that's the truth. If it's not in the life of Jesus, what does he say here? The principles of the world, the patterns of the world, the way the world disciples and teaches people, 
If it's after those things and you cannot find it in the life of Jesus Christ, it will take you captive and it will rob you of your inheritance in Jesus. It will keep you weak. It will keep you defeated because only in the word of God, only in the truth can you be set free. And the truth is the life of Christ. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. If you can't find it in him, it does not belong in you and it doesn't belong in your theology. Because we're supposed to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. That means our faith has to continue to grow from faith to faith. It has to be perfected. And the only way to perfect your faith so that grace can come in, every drop of grace Jesus paid for for your life, is to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, not on the world, not on the patterns of the world, and not like the, like the, like, like the Ephesians who were still involved in witchcraft even after accepting Paul's message and later ends up burning their books. Listen, we're going to move into the book of Ephesians in our next broadcast. We're going to begin this study. I am so excited that we've laid such a great foundational stone and a foundational work, which is Christ. We exalt Jesus here. So let Jesus be lifted up in your life. If the Son of Man be lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. If you want to draw people to Christ, you lift up Jesus. You walk and be just like him. You move and exist and have your being. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ and the shield of faith with which you can quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. So until next time, God bless you. The devil is a defeated enemy. Walk in faith, in grace, and in strength. And be bold and be encouraged. As Moses told Joshua, be strong, be strong, and may you be strengthened. In Yeshua's name. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast of Strength for the Hour. Our hope is that you have received rest revelation, edification, sanctification, and truth. To learn more about this ministry and to be further strengthened in your faith, you can visit us at our website, www.fruitofthevine.wix.com forward slash fruit of the vine. There you'll find a link to our Facebook and YouTube. If you'd like to send us a letter, please write to Fruit of the Vine Ministries, P.O. Box 222, Louisville, Ohio, 446 one. And for a final word of encouragement, here again is John Davison. Thanks, Alex. You know, God anointed the New Testament writers, and the Holy Spirit spoke through them, and says this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And Jesus says this in the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 8. He says, listen, I know your deeds. See, I place before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Well, praise God, brothers and sisters, that the word of God was able to penetrate into our hearts today and that the Lord gave us strength through his message as he spoke the word through his word by his Holy Spirit to you where you're at in your home and in your atmosphere. So I just thank you so much for taking your time and listening to the word of God with us today. We hope that you've been blessed, encouraged, and strengthened by the word of God. So thank you so much. God bless you and keep you in his perfect peace. In Jesus' mighty name, shalom.